Hello everyone, Rob Guest from London, and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Talk Tottenham. It's not going to be a good one today as we reflect on Arsenal's 3-1 win in the North London derby against Tottenham. As ever, I'm joined by Alistair Gold. Ali, I don't even think there's any point in me asking how are you feeling after that debacle yesterday? Um, yeah, <laughs> it was just an utter miss. It was an absolute, absolute miss. Um, oh, it's just Tottenham Hotspur, isn't it? They just kind of lurch from one chaotic thing to another at the moment. Um, I'm sure we're going to get into the nitty gritty of not only the match, but what happened afterwards and what it means for the future. But um, oh, it's just three derbies, three goals conceded in each. Um, Nuno's gone from being manager of the month to seeing Nuno out trending on Twitter within, you know, what, three, four weeks. It's just ridiculous. Um, but yeah, let's talk about it. It might be cathartic. Let's get things off our chests. Yeah, so Arsenal race into a three-goal lead. Goals from Emil Smith-Rowe, Pierre-Emerick, Bamiyang, and Bikai Saka. Spurs uh, grabbed the consolation through Son Heung-Min with 10 minutes to go, but by then it was just too little, too late to get back into it. Although they did have quite a few chances in the second half. Maybe should have even had a penalty. Uh, do you want to just kick us off the Nelly? Your thoughts on the game? How how imagine this might be a bit of a rant? <laughs> um, oh, there's only so many times you can rant, isn't it? It's kind of about <laughs> the same stuff. I think the most disappointing thing will be the fact that Arsenal didn't really even have to play that well. They didn't really even have to get into like any kind of top gear. They just walked through the middle on really three occasions um, and scored. Um, you know, there's this phrase I just keep hearing at the moment. Um, Nuno's used it quite a lot. And I know it's Hugo Lloris used it yesterday. And I think in a couple of interviews he did. And that's saying the players are too far apart from each other. Um, and you can see it. I mean, the, the first goal is the perfect example. Because Arsenal break and you've got Tongi Ondembele and Pierre-Emil Hoybier slowly taking a Sunday stroll from the halfway line back towards their own area. Deli Alley starts off slow. To be fair to him, I guess, you're, he he makes a late burst into the box. You know, he does put in that little bit of effort. But you cannot have three banks in a 4-3-3 if the three is either going to be entrenched in front of its own box when you're attacking or stuck up the pitch. Um, so st- stuck it, yeah. Or, or stuck in front of the box when you're having to defend in the other box, I mean. So you ended up going from end-to-end end with this three and no one's sitting. Um, and that's just why you got what you got yesterday. Just, there was so much room. They just kind of, you know, Arsenal could have just walked the ball through the middle without, <clears throat> excuse me, any kind of real opposition. Um, and, you know, we, we can moan about the defence. We can moan about, you know, I personally, I had Romero in my kind of predicted uh, team. Um, he went with the back four, which, you know, had kept three clean sheets in the first three games. And we haven't really seen it since then. So I didn't really have an issue. Some people were going a little bit mad, but I didn't really have an issue with that. But I think you just saw on the day, there was no protection. There was no screening for it. I think it was probably one of Hoybier's worst games for Tottenham. Um, he looked like a guy that had just decided, well, I can't do this all by myself, which, you know, it's just, I thought against Wolves, he had to do a lot of the work by himself and he actually did quite well in that role. It was almost like he just decided, not again. Um, and, you know, obviously Nuno coming out afterwards and making it very clear that it was it was a weird thing. I don't know what you thought about it. It was one of those where, yes, he was taking the blame and I don't personally probably think it would have done him too many favours with the critics that he's got now. But on the flip side, having listened to the Sky Sports interview when I got back in, he kind of was saying, it's my fault because I picked the wrong players. So it was one of those strange... It's I'm not going to say it was a Mourinho thing, but it just kind of reminded me of the, the way Mourinho would sometimes take responsibility for other people's responsibility. <laughs> See what I mean? It's like, I picked the wrong players. They couldn't um, do what we needed to do in this match. Did you feel that? Uh... 
Yeah, I think it was one of those. I mean, fair play to him. He was brutally honest with what happened, and I think it had to be after that. But for me, what stood out was when he says his game plan didn't work. So then, I mean, all Tottenham fans will have picked up on it. It'll be like, well, why did you go with that game plan anyway? I mean, if you can't get it right for the North London derby, are you going to continue to get it right in the upcoming games? So it's... Yeah, it, it wasn't a good one, but then you can also say, did the game plan not work because of the players? Were they just not, uh, you know, getting things right on the pitch or was it just simply down to the fact that Nuno and his coaching staff just completely got it wrong? And if that's the case, then they completely got it wrong because <laughs> that, that that was a dreadful, dreadful first 45 it minutes. It was embarrassing, yeah. honestly. I think... Yeah, I think had he even come out at half time and done a mini press conference at half time, I don't think people would have really minded because it was that awful. It was, you know, second half was better, but how much of that is down to Arsenal just dropping down the gears, you know? And, and uh, it was it was just awful. Yeah, exactly. When you see teams coasting three nil, four nil, five nil at half time, whatever they always drop off a gear or two you always see it. you yeah. never see anyone just carry on or even going up another gear so you always felt like uh, Arsenal probably wouldn't create that many chances but come the 34th minute the game was already done and dusted when they were 3-0 mm. down and I've seen some I mean we've seen some really really bad performances over the past two years yeah. uh, for me the one what really stands out was that 3-0 defeat at Brighton that was yeah. terrible. I mean, that came, what, three or four days after the defeat against Bayern Munich in the Champions League. I think it was that 7-2 yeah. and you're thinking, it can't get any worse than that and then it did and to be honest, I think the Arsenal one yesterday has trumped that Brighton one fairly easily. Now, that was just... 45 minutes, definitely. Yeah, especially the first half, just unacceptable. I mean, it was just shambolic at times. Uh it's a derby. New, new, exactly. That's what annoys me the most. It's like I, I even said this to him. This was the one thing he I I know, I get his answer and I get why he did it. But I asked him, I said, You made such a big deal before the game of saying, quite rightly, this is not just another game, it's a special game. And I said, Do you feel that your players really got that? Because and you know, and someone pointed out this morning, like nine, I think it was nine of the eleven players had been there since 2018 or something. These are Players are starting lineup. These are players who know what a North London derby means, and I just felt they just went out there really kind of half tempo, and they lost every duel pretty much in the middle. Um, and yeah, his answer was, you know, oh, I'm not going to judge the players in front of you, Alistair, and kind of thing. It's like, well, I get that, but. But you can say they didn't go out there like they were playing a derby. Of course they didn't. You know, we're not blind. Everyone can see that. Whatever the game plan, um, you know, whatever the players, if the players are going to give you, you know, I can only go back to that first goal, watching the midfielders stroll back. That's not derby performance. That's not derby fire. You know, that's not having any desire really to make a difference to the result. And uh yeah, and that that worried me. It did. I mean, it clearly whatever he said at halftime did have a little bit of an effect. Changes had an effect, but you shouldn't be having to rescue a game at three 0 down in a North London derby at halftime. Something has gone seriously wrong for that to happen. Yeah, I said before the game yesterday, I didn't think it was a must win just yet given the previous defeats against Crystal Palace and Chelsea, I think it was a must-not-lose. And if there were to get a draw, what you needed from that was a positive performance, not one way you're sitting back and then just looking to hit Arsenal on the counter. You needed to go for it for the from the very first minute. And given the previous two defeats, surely the North London derby is the perfect game to go back into it. It's a derby. I mean, you shouldn't even really need to give a team talk everyone should be up for it from the very first whistle just getting straight into it and showing what you can do and taking the game to Arsenal but oh, some of the play was horrendous I mean that first goal just like you said they just run through on the pose I think it was 10 seconds from when Granit Xhaka flicked the ball around Hoybjerg other guard run through midfield wasn't there 
defence didn't push up to close him down and then found the back of the net and second goal, yeah, it was a good Arsenal attack and I think you've got to give Arsenal a bit of credit as well because I thought they did play well yesterday but then again, Spurs like the Spurs. Ironically, yeah. they countered, didn't they? It's exactly what everyone was going, oh, I hope Spurs just don't sit there and counter. But Arsenal, even the possession at the end of the day, which is weird, Spurs had more possession than Arsenal today. Only just. I mean, you're only talking like, Arsenal like 52% to, to 48, but yeah, they, they they did. And I think, had they even been more on it, it could have been like 5 6 nil at halftime without any issues. Yeah, Spurs totally made Arsenal look like title contenders. And this is <laughs> Arsenal coming into it. That. Not so long ago, off the back of three straight defeats when they were bottom of the league and Tottenham were at the top of the table, he just want a good day and I don't think it's one fans will be able to get for a long, long time. It's just how you bounce back from that now and there's two games coming up against NS Miura and then Aston Villa this week where Nuno needs two wins because after the Villa game, if you don't get a win, two weeks without a game because it's the international break. So... Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of pressure on his shoulders if they don't beat Villa at the weekend. Just going back to the team selection then, obviously, I think we all went with pretty much 9 or 10 from his selection. I think we all thought Christian Romero would start. I had Oliver Skip in there instead of Deli Alley. Look at you in the right call before the game. I'm not manager though. So, I mean, I, I can pick whoever I want. It's not going to get selected. I mean, an hour ahead of the game, did you think that was the right team selection? Obviously, 34 minutes into the game, it proved it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, I I predicted that midfield. I wouldn't say, you know, this, I wouldn't say it was the midfield that I would have wanted, but it was the midfield that I predicted would happen. Um, uh, I think we've probably learnt, haven't we, from this, that maybe you cannot play that trio together. You just can't have Deli Ali and Ondembele um, and just one defensive midfielder against the top teams. Uh, it, it just doesn't work. It's just... It's really difficult because, you know, we've, we've said some good things about Deli this season, you know, and how he's adjusted to this new role. He's worked hard. But ultimately, I think in games like this, it kind of is shown up slightly that it's just not his natural role. You know, he makes he, he says that, you know, I was a number eight originally. I, I actually wasn't a more attacking midfielder. That I became that when I came to Tottenham. But he doesn't look comfortable. It feels like a, um, you know, a, a round peg in a square hole kind of thing. Or the other way around. I can't remember which way the phrase is. Um, either way, it's the wrong peg. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> it's just... And with Tongi, we know what we're going to get with Tongi. He needs protection. He needs other people to be doing some of the things that we know he's not going to do. We know sometimes he will track back, sometimes he will switch off. That's just kind of part of, of what you get with Tongi. For all the good, you're going to get bad stuff like that. And yeah, I just, look, I don't want to make this a Alistair Gold thinks Oliver Skip's going to be an absolute Tottenham Hotspur star for years to come thing. But I think this was a game where you needed the double pivot. I think, just think it was. Um, you know, it's really interesting that he kind of hasn't veered back to the four-two-three-one that has, has, has seen Tottenham through a lot of good times in the recent years. It's clearly a formation that does fit the back three as the Tottenham way. I don't think I have seen Tottenham play with a back three particularly well since. Probably the season when Dyer sat in the middle of a back three uh, under Poch. That's probably the one year it kind of worked. Um, but any time I've seen Mourinho try it or Nuno try it, it's been a bit of a disaster. Um, I personally have always preferred the 4-2-3-1. And I do think with Skip and Hoybier there, you've got two players who will protect the back four, but also are both capable of getting up the pitch as well if need be. And then that in turn... Uh, stops the you know massive gaps between the midfield and the defence, um, and it allows you. Let's say it's on Dembele to push him into a, a more forward, almost like a number ten role. Gets rid of the you know the tracking back issue on the whole. 
Uh, he's just got a press, which we know he doesn't always do as well. Um, or you put Lucas there, or you put Delhi there, you know, or, or Hill, who again I think had another positive contribution yesterday. Um, it just, I just feel the four-two-three-one works for Spurs on so many other levels. Uh, or sorry, I'm sorry, so many levels. Um, but you know, it's, it's one of these hindsight things, isn't it? Well, I say hindsight, but I feel like. We're having a lot of games at the moment where we're looking at the starting lineup and we're going, why have you done that? And then afterwards, obviously, everyone's proved right. You know, that happens all the time with football. Of course it does. And there's times that we'll say, why have you done that? And it's a masterstroke that works out perfectly. And we just didn't see it. But I think that's the thing at the moment is maybe Nuno's making decisions that everyone seems to be able to see is, is not quite right. Is it... I mean, it's a question for you. Is he pandering slightly to some of the players at Tottenham? Is he picking the players that were left out by Mourinho to try and kind of make some kind of point to the hierarchy? Look, you wanted these players back in and I'm going to give them their chance. Although Harry Winks would probably disagree, but um, you know, certainly with Ali and Ondimbele, he's gotten straight back in there and Kane is, well, Kane's a slightly different thing, but he's come straight back in there as well. And He's playing the young player, the academy players, the skips, the tangangas, and stuff like that. Is he trying to please everyone rather than just doing what maybe Nuno should do? Maybe, but in, in, at the end of the day, your manager of the club, you've got to pick your strongest team. You can't be putting players in there for the sake of it because, in the end, it could uh, leave you out of a job a few months down the line. Uh, I think. Deli Ali at the start of the season was in the team on merit. He knew he had to come back after such a frustrating campaign last year where he didn't play. Obviously, he went out to Portugal, to Dubai as well, to work on his fitness uh, with Kyle Walker-Peters during his break. It looked like he came back more like the old Deli. looked like he'd bulked up a bit, put in the work over pre-season. I think he deserved his place in the team. But then looking at the performance yesterday, he's he's he's, he's better in a four-two-three-one than he is a four-three-three. Uh, for me, I think Oliver Skip should have started yesterday. I thought he was fantastic away at Wolves in the uh, Carabao Cup game a few days earlier. I thought that was extremely harsh to drop him. Uh, they looked a lot more solid when he came on, and I think they probably wouldn't have conceded the first goal. If Skip he was starting. straight in and putting two big sliding tackles, yeah. didn't he? As soon as he came on, it instantly said, "All right, he gets it's a derby." And it's just yeah. like it was the one player that, and it sets the tone. We said that. Do you remember we said this about Jaffet Tanganga early on in the Man City game? I think he crunched yeah. into Grealish. It will, it will yeah. have been in Sterling. Yeah, yeah, and it just set the tone for the rest of the match. And I just feel like Skip did that, but for the second forty-five minutes when it was too late, nobody did that in the first half. Yeah, that's what you want from the first whistle, not the second one. As I was saying, uh, regarding the first goal, Skip wouldn't have been pushed up high. He's defensively minded. He, he would have been in the middle. I think when Arsenal were looking to break, so that could have been avoidable. Uh, but I think and he going would have on, a gut to get back if he wasn't. Exactly, exactly. As Jose Mourinho said, he played him in that previous North London derby for the final few minutes as he's got Spurs blood in him. Well, I think this uh, showing against Arsenal shows Nuno, he does need to change things up. He's just got to go with his strongest team and what team is best to get the points now. You just don't pick the players, like you said, is he maybe pandering to some, got to go with your strongest team? Yeah, I think so. Is it is it his strongest team or is it the best suited team? Best suited, I think. yeah. yeah. Yeah, kind of. I think I think that's probably what it is. And I mean, let's talk about one other little positive. We touched on him before because we don't want this to be, uh, you know, well, people just weeping as they listen to this at the utter depressing nature of it. But Brian Hill, you know, I thought once again, I thought he actually said I should be starting matches. I'll go as far to say that I felt in his early games for Spurs, especially in the Premier League, he looked a little bit lightweight. But yesterday, I saw a guy who. Throwing, well, we saw it actually against Wolves as well. We saw a guy that is really throwing himself into stuff. You know, the Spurs' consolation goal was all about Hill's kind of 
tenacity and desire to keep the ball alive. He slid into kind of like a pass to get there first, put it to Regulon, low cross, Son puts it away. Um, and I just think if I'm Nuno Espirito Santo, which I'm clearly not because he keeps telling me off, but if, if I was, <laughs> I would be very much saying, look, which of these players wants to give me everything? And, you know, you look at the skips, you look at the hill and you, uh, hills, and you just think, yeah, get him in there. Get him in the team, honestly. Um, I don't care now who... We're not at the side. I think this is, you know, we've spoken about this with Poch before. Poch got to this certain stage. It was the uh, after the Aston Villa game or kind of during it, where he just decided, I'm just not going to pander to people anymore. Otherwise, my job's going to be on the line. I have to now start picking teams that are best for me and for, you know, the results. Um, and I think he needs to pick players that are going to give his all. And, and if that upsets others, you know, I don't know what Deli Ali would have been like at half time. Are we going to see? I'd hope not, but are we going to see a repeat of what happened, you know, the halftime of the Everton game last season in the opening game? Are we going to see him um, now drift out of the team or are we going to see a real response to him or a change of formation that brings more out of him? Um you know, I'm going to be intrigued. I know we're going to talk about Harry Kane in a minute as well. I want to see where Harry Kane goes from here as well, because I say, well, let's let's go there. Should we go to Harry Kane now? I mean, what did you make of his performance yesterday? Pretty much like it has been this season. He just wasn't involved, was he? Really, in the first half. I think we've said it time and time again on the recent podcast you big game players you want them to grab the game by the scruff of the neck and take it to the opposition and make things happen and he didn't I think there was one shot in the first half that was just in anger really given what had happened yeah. just received it on the turn and it just went high and wide had chances in the second half he looked better in the second half uh, maybe should have found the back of the net with one of them, I think he should definitely have had a penalty following that Ben White tackle. I, I just can't understand why that didn't even go to VAR, did it? I don't think that just Weird. looked stonewall penalty on the replays. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if they'd scored that, then you never know. Might have been a bit of a comeback on the hands because they had yeah. like a five, ten minute period where they were creating chances. Yeah, I think the one that the Lucas shot the deflect. Uh, sorry, it wasn't yeah. deflected. It's actually it was deflected, but it was a really good save. I think had that crept in, I think those final minutes could be very, very different, which Spurs would not have deserved, let's be honest. They would not no. have deserved it at all. But yeah, yeah, I think so. So I thought, given his previous performances and his record in the North London derby, things were just going to click for him yesterday, but they just didn't in the first half. But... Second half, a bit more promising, but by then it was just too little, too late. The game had already gone. I think he just needs a goal, but there was just no creativity, again, from the middle of the park, really, to begin with. What's really concerning at the moment, things just have to change for Kane to get back on song and then Tottenham as well. Yeah, it's... I'm going to give Kane a little bit of credit. There were moments where I saw him trying to make things happen, yeah. main, mainly second half. I mean, the, the, the Arsenal's third goal was was kind of two sides of Kane, wasn't it? It was him looking a bit lumbering and not sharp and losing the ball. But then to be fair to him, he ran back the entire length from one box to the other to try to make amends. But it was just one of those unfortunate moments where he slid into the tackle and essentially the ball just bounced up even better for Saka to, to kind of put it away. Um, you know, what will worry probably Nuno the most is that even in Mourinho's kind of poor games, he kind of had these get-out-of-jail cards in Kane and Son because they were still... You know, you, you can look at it both ways. Some people will say he got the best out of Kane and Son, which could be very well right. You know, Kane had his best numbers-wise season. Uh, and Son certainly for long periods, especially the first half of the season, was very good. Uh, others could say that just then, you know, their natural ability did it. I don't know. But that Nuno isn't getting either will be a concern, you know. I mean, there were some suggestions after the game. I mean, let me just kind of read you some of the numbers as well. Kane touched the ball 25 times during the match. 
The only players who have touched it less were Deli Ali, 24, who only played 45 minutes, and Brian Hill, who touched it 21 times in just 20 minutes. So for your best player, your talisman, the man who tries to make everything happen to touch the ball less than any other player who played more than 45 minutes, something's not right. Why is the ball not getting to him? Is it because it's not being got to him? Is it because he's hiding and he's not showing himself ready for the ball? Is he not making the right movement? Um, but that in itself, I think, says a lot. Um, he had that terrific chance from the dire ball where he put it just wide, but I think it was probably offside. I think it would have probably got ruled out had it gone in anyway. I agree with the penalty slash free kick, whatever it might have been. Um, I don't know why they didn't look at that. Yes, he had one shot on the turn. I think Ramsdale pushed aside as well. It looked like it might have crept in the corner. He, I'd say he showed more than in previous matches, um, which is something, but it's still not enough. It's not a play, you know. Harry Kane is world class. This is not the Harry Kane that we've seen of years gone by. This is not the right now. Um, whether it's a sharpness thing, whether it's a mental thing, whatever it is, the other players look to him and they feed off of what he does. And I think if they're seeing a player, you know, perhaps, maybe, you know, well, we certainly know in the summer he didn't want to be at Tottenham this season. And if that is the vibe that's coming off of him, I'd hope it's not because he is, you know, everything we've seen of him when seasons have begun, he's been a professional guy. Um, but if that is feeding through to the rest of the club, then it's of no benefit to anyone. And I saw some, you know, there were some people at the game yesterday suggesting, and I'll put this question to you. If his form does not improve, or even after you know the performance yesterday, should he be dropped? Should Tottenham go back to the formation they had where, let's be brutally honest, in the Nuno style, they were winning matches without Kane. With Son leading the line, they maybe, maybe didn't have that kind of... Uh, I don't want to say negative impact because that's not fair on Harry Kane. Harry Kane, I wouldn't say he's a negative impact, but he's just clearly not found his feet yet. Yeah, I think you pick players on merit. If they're not performing, then they shouldn't be in the side. Uh, I mean, he can work both ways, really. If, if he gets dropped, that could spare him on to, uh, you know, really kick on the next time he's in the team to try and make things happen. Uh if he's not performing, I mean, Nuno's got to make changes. So if you're not performing at your best, then I think you're certainly going to be a risk. I did like the front three at the start of the season, Stephen Bergwijn, Lucas Mora, I'd have signed of Son against Man City. Thought that worked uh, well against Wolves in the following game. Didn't work as well because Wolves dominated and Spurs offered very little. But with that pace in there, I think it helps them. Uh, I think we'll just have to wait and see what happens with Kane, whether or not he's dropped. But I don't think uh, no one's bigger than the club, and no one. Uh, and if people and players just aren't cutting it when they're being given them the chance, then yeah, they might have to get dropped down to the bench if things have to change. Yeah, it's. Uh, but this again, we can only come back to the lack of a suitable replacement to come in. You know, yes, yes, Son is probably the replacement, but in terms of a natural striker that just pushes Kane on, Kane knows that's not that it doesn't exist. There is no such player. You know, Dane Scarlett is a very young player who is getting Premier League well bench experience constantly at just seventeen years old, which is is great for him. But for Tottenham, he's not yet a viable alternative to come onto the pitch. He will be. I'm sure he will. He's a very talented young player. But at the moment, yeah, he's just not quite there yet. And uh just it just it just worries me. It does it does worry me. I still, you know, we I said this after transfer window. I just felt that they lacked still that Ericsson replacement and another striker. And I just feel like everything we've kind of said is just coming to pass. Um which makes it all the more depressing. Yeah, since you were reading off some stats about Harry Kane, got some stats now. Uh, I think you probably know which ones. I think all Tottenham <laughs> fans know what stats are coming up because yes. Sky Sports showed a graphic about 10 minutes into the second half with Tottenham's 
season stats today. These are the stats per game in the Premier League this season. So shots 9.2, ranked 20th in the Premier League. Chances from open play 5.4, rank 20th. Shots faced 18. They have moved up on place. They are in 19th. And then distance covered for me. Uh, which is extremely worrying. Uh, this is in kilometres. It is 99.9 and they are once again in 20th. Uh, so Spurs have gone from a couple of years ago having probably the fittest team in the Premier League under Maurizio Pochettino. They've gone from topping the table to propping up the table. Now, for me, if you're not getting the results, the one thing you need on the pitch is your players working, running and putting in the effort. And those stats don't show that at all. How concerning is that for you? It's disgusting. It's absolutely, yeah. it is. It's disgusting. There's no other word for it. It really is. And for someone like Nuno, who is another like Poch, who really prides himself on the fitness of his team, the work rate, the distance they cover, I think that will probably sting more than anything else. You know, obviously as... As fans and journalists, we want to see um, we want to see the attacking play, the creativity. Those stats are concerning, but for him, I think the fact that the team just isn't moving around the pitch is just it's disgraceful. It really is, and you know, I mean, how many times do we come back to this kind of point of the players? I guess you know, it's like we constantly talk about chopping and changing the managers, but. And obviously the players, some of the players have changed, but what is wrong at Tottenham Hotspur that we've, I just feel like we're constantly, whether it was the end of end of days for Poch, whether it was Mourinho, whether it was Ryan Mason some of the games, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, Nuno now. It's like the players, those stats that talk about distance cover, that is attitude. That's what that's about. You know, nowhere does that formation say that the players should be static and not running. That is nothing to do with anything other than the players not running themselves. Um, it's, yeah, it is. It's, it's disgusting. And um, I just, you know, I just wonder how this fixes itself behind the scenes. You know, we're going to come on to Nuno and, and the Nuno out stuff in a minute and, and all of that and, and our thoughts on kind of what next with that. But I just think in terms of internally, behind the scenes and the players have to look, I just feel, maybe I just feel like I'm repeating myself, but at what point do players look at themselves and say, am I giving everything? Um, Because I think, I don't know about the Spurs fans, but I've just found kind of getting sick of, oh yeah, the manager should go. Let's bring in someone can sort this out. And it's like, okay, well this is continuously. I mean, Daniel Levy, I mean, what we're we looking at, how many managers in 20 years has he constantly chopped and changed and turned? You know, Poch brought the most stability Tottenham have had. And even that was, what was that, five and a half years of uh, Daniel Levy's 20. Um, it's all very well chopping up, uh, chopping up, don't chop up the manager, chopping and changing the managers, uh, changing the structure, different sporting directors, different this. But if you're not maybe bringing in the right profile of player and or the attitude or whatever it is, it's like it's it's, it's just abysmal. It's it's embarrassing. And I tell you what, how those away fans, the Tottenham fans that went to the Emirates yesterday, how they didn't all just leave at half time. Fair play to them. You know, there was a lot made about people going, but to be honest, from what I saw, it wasn't a lot. There weren't a lot that made the move. There was a few more went, you know, as the second half went on, but a lot of the bulk of those Spurs fans stayed and fair play. That is support because, you know, a lot of fans, after getting served that up, having paid the money to go to the game and having seen that served up in the first 45 minutes, they had every right just to head off to a pub or something and just go, stuff this. I'd rather watch anything else right now. Um, and yeah, and I just think. I think there's just, there's just, I mean, let's, talk, we can talk about it now. There's, there's something deeper at Tottenham. There really is. There's a deeper thing, there's a deeper thing going on. I mean, what would you say comes next for, let's go with Nuno. What comes next for Nuno? Well, I think what comes next for Nuno is like what he said straight after the game. It's just get down to work, see what went wrong, 
concentrate on these upcoming games and then kick on from there. But he needs the results and fast yeah. because, I mean, there's already pressure on his shoulders. And, I mean, they're expected to beat Ennis Miura on Thursday in the Conference League. But you're coming up against an Aston Villa team uh, on Sunday. Who've won the next, who've won the last two games against uh, Everton and Manchester United? So they're going to be bang up for this and they'll be fancying the chances going on what Spurs have done in the past few weeks. So for Nuno, he just needs to get to the root of this problem. And I think, like you said earlier, be selecting the players who are going to do you a job, not maybe not your strongest team on paper getting the likes of Oliver Skipping, getting the likes of Brian Hillen, players who will give you 110%. That's what he needs right now. And I think we've said before, he needs time uh, to try and turn things around, but he's got to use the time well and make sure Spurs get back on track. So it's crucial, crucial few weeks coming up for him as he uh, looks to change things around. But some of the fixtures coming up, they're not so easy. I know you've got Aston Villa at home. I think it's Newcastle away. First game after the international break. Yeah. Well, it won't be easy. Uh, Spurs didn't win there last season. Saw the Newcastle highlights the other day against Watford and I've no idea how they didn't win that game. The amount of chances they've had. So it's, it's an important few weeks coming up for Nuno and Tottenham. What I would say is Tottenham don't want to become a club but constantly hires and fires managers because it's no good for anyone. You just get into a cycle. Sure. And, no. But they Chelsea, can't afford to do it. No, but Chelsea tend to make the right decision, don't they? With some and, of the well, managers. And financially, they can back whoever comes in. That's yeah. the difference, isn't it? Yeah, because uh, you get into cycles where the new manager will come in, he won't be happy with the players, he'll want to bring in his own players, he'll then get sacked and he just repeats and he repeats and you just get stuck in the cycle in the end, then it might just seem like there's no way out of it. So for me at the moment, you think you've got to give him a bit more time. I mean, at the end of the day, six Premier League games, that, that's all it's been this season. They have won three of them. It's, it's not like Spurs are bottom of the league, 60 feet from six, and they've just looked so, so bad in yeah. all the games. So I think he needs time but he's got to use the time well and make sure he gets Spurs back on track or else that pressure on his shoulders is just going to increase even more game by game. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, there's an element of politics to it. There's an element of just trying to be rational as well. I mean, on the rational side, yes, he's lost three Premier League games. If Tottenham are going to make a decision based on losing three Premier League games or even, you know, or even the six Premier League games so far, I think that says more about Tottenham Hotspur than it does anything else. I mean, that's just ridiculous. He he's had he's had no real time. We've spoken. We're not going to go into Indiza. Spoke, we've spoken about the tough kind of opening. What just less than three months he's been at the club that he's had. The players he hasn't had available. The lack of real training time. The lack of real kind of a pre-season with the bulk of his squad getting them fit enough. He even says himself he's using games now to try to get them fitter and sharper because he just doesn't have the training sessions to do so. You know, this is not a new no experience of Santo Tottenham Hotspur. It's just not. Um, it's incredibly disappointing what we're seeing being served up. Um, and some people may well have already decided that he, you know, is never going to bring what they want to see on the pitch. But I still, I just still, I may be in the minority, but I still don't feel it's really fair to judge him yet on what's being produced. I just... I don't think anyone should after such a tiny kind of time selection. Um, but what I would also say, when I talk about the politics at the club as well, um, you know, Spurs have made a lot of really weird decisions over recent years. They have, you know, there's no getting away from it whatsoever. You know, we've seen, we've seen things deteriorate under Poch due to various factors. We've seen him, uh, relieved of his duties because essentially Jose Mourinho was there. Jose Mourinho, who never looked like the, let's be honest, the right fit for Tottenham. It was a strange, two strange bedfellows that didn't seem to sit comfortable next, comfortably next to each other. He came in, um, 
and then you sack him a few days before a cup final, something that Mourinho is historically pretty decent in. Um, that was bizarre. Then you, the chairman goes out and makes his big brash statement or bold statement about, don't worry, we will get you your manager who will play open, attractive and entertaining football. Okay, right. Okay, great. And then, uh, sorry, free-flowing, attacking and entertaining football. I always say open, which is what Tottenham were yesterday. <laughs> um, you know, and then what happens? They're drawing up these lists of people. And then halfway through the process, Paratici becomes available and Levy goes, oh, I've wanted him for ages. And he brings him in, changes the structure at the club, only to then realise that Paratici doesn't want really a free-flowing, attacking and entertaining manager. He wants someone that's more balanced. And it's like, right, okay. Kind of you feel like, you know, just flip-flopping in the wind like a carrier bag, just blowing in the breeze. It could go any direction next. Um, and then, you know, you and I worked throughout this. We saw the very different candidates <laughs> suddenly get spoken to and, and you're just trying to play catch-up. And then eventually they go for Nuno, who, you know, I'll, I'll, won't hide the fact that when he was first kind of touted, that I just thought, well, that doesn't really fit what Levy was looking for. Um, but the sell was from Paratici to Levy, he's adaptable. He can play whatever football this football club wants. Okay, fair enough. So now we're at this stage where manager of the month for August, probably, you know, if there was an award for worst uh, of the month for this month, he's probably there because he's won three, lost three. So just purely by the numbers, that would be the case. Um, but if Spurs were to make what I think would be a very sudden and rash decision, to be honest, what does that say about Levy's faith in Paratici? You know, so you've chased him for half a decade. He makes <clears throat> this statement, this case for this head coach he wants, then what? Six games in, you decide, no, I don't like that. You're immediately cutting Paratici off at the legs and saying, well, you can do what you want as long as I like it. And kind of thing. But then also, the knock-on effect is, what does that say about Daniel Levy? Because he picked <laughs> Paratici in the first place. Who picked Nuno? This is what I mean about the politics of it all. It is such a mess. It really, really is a mess. And I think it's just this inconsistent decision-making. They like, I've always felt they kind of struck lucky with Poch. They really did. They, you know, they couldn't get Van Gaal. You know, they kind of seesawed a little bit between um, uh, De Boer. It was Frank De Boer at the time and Poch. And then they went for Poch. Poch brought them the best times of the Levy uh, Enoch era. He absolutely did. And whether it was Poch just lost his motivation, whether it was him not being backed financially, certainly in those two transfer windows when nothing happened, whether he just felt, you know, just the lack of motivation because of what was happening around him, that, you know, the club was being built up off the pitch but are not on it. But then everything since that, um, probably just before, people always use the Champions League final, I think, as the, it went wrong from there. I felt personally it was going wrong from before then. I thought that season in the Premier League, you could see it just wasn't, things weren't right. So whether that is, you know, I suppose that did come after those transfer windows, didn't it, with no activity. So let's say, let's do it. I'm going to say it all started to go wrong with those transfer windows of no activity. Since that point, the decision-making at the very top of Tottenham Hotspur has been awful. It's been absolutely awful. They have. They've jumped from one thing to another. And now they're in this situation where I just feel that if they just, you know, I know there's a lot of people saying Nuno out, well, or certainly on social media. I don't know whether that represents the masses. You, you can never tell. Um, I think maybe we'll get an indication after the Villa game uh, from the crowd. We'll, we'll know a bit more. I wouldn't say Mura. I'd say Mura, unfortunately, sounds weird, but I think it's a bit of a nothing game. I think either way, if they win or lose, I don't think it really represents too much. I think the Villa game is huge. I think that really shows it. Because like you say, Murrah, they're expected to win. Um, but yeah, I just, I think if you then just go and sack Nuno now, um, 
I think that's too early. I don't think it's fair to him. And I think you just start this ridiculous process all over again. And, you know, and then you get into the whole area of who's around, who's available, who do you get six games into a season? And I know there'll be people in the background going, Conte, Conte. And it's like, <laughs> well, no, because all the reasons that Spurs didn't go for him the first time still exist. That hasn't changed. There's still not the money for a Conte team. A Conte works in a Chelsea with the money that they can lavish on it. He works in an Inter Milan who are now pretty much broke because of the money they spent on it. He is a great coach. And I still think, yes, he probably could, even out of a transfer window, do good things with what Tottenham have. However, it's about not just the next few months. It's about what comes after that. And I can't see, unless there's an incredible U-turn, Tottenham, yeah, just being able to offer him what he needs. Um, you know, they, they'd have to, well, they'd probably have to sell the club or, you know, Mr. Joe Lewis would have to really start bankrolling things. Um, and I'd, I'd be stunned if that happens. They'd have to be so desperate for that to happen. Um, and history is kind of suggests that isn't the case. So, yeah. Oh, sorry, that did end up being a bit of a rant. It's just, I think I'm just fed up with just the decisions being made. And I just think if, if there's another decision like that right now, how's it any different to what's come before? There's no patience. There's no forward thinking. Yeah, that was a bit of a rant. I don't think I've managed to get a word in in about 10 minutes. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> but no, totally agree with you. And I think things did start going wrong in that summer of uh, 2018 when they didn't strengthen. They are in a really good position. Prior to then, I was uh, in the top four. And when you're a club in the Champions League, you cannot afford to stand still. Because if you do, you just go backwards and you see other teams overtake you. Liverpool in 2018 were behind Tottenham. They've moved ahead of them. They're now pushing for Premier League titles, Champions League titles. Uh, and it's proved costly, unfortunately. So there's certainly a lot of work to be doing at Tottenham <laughs> over the coming years. So, right, following coming your run. <laughs> coming days, coming weeks, coming years, coming decades. Yeah, there's a lot of work to be done. So, yeah. right, after your rant, we'll move on to the NS Miura and Villa games. We'll probably only preview them quickly because we might do another a preview of the Villa game on Friday as we did yeah, do ahead so. of the North London Derby, providing we've got time. So, NS Miura, right, second game in the Europe Conference League. Are we expecting Nuno to make wholesale changes? Is this the game where Dane Scarlett finally starts? Oh, this is this ridiculous thing. We come back to the same situation again. And having said, you know, Kane, you know, do you drop him? Do you then also, by the, the other alternative logic, do you give him games like this to just try to get some kind of semblance of sharpness, you know? But then how many times can you keep saying that? Um, personally, one change I would definitely make is to bring Joe Roden back in. Joe Roden must be sitting there on that bench just thinking, what am I going to do? <laughs> you know, three game, three derbies, three goals conceded in each. What did I do that was so bad kind of thing, you know? Uh, I mean, yes, you know, you could argue, yes, he, he in one of those matches, he was in the team for the three goals conceded. But I, I, I feel sorry for Joe Roden. I really do. Uh, I think he must just be thinking, what did I come to this club for? Essentially, I'm coming as like a mascot on the bench or even not in the squads. Um yeah, it's, it's. I think I think Hill and Skip clearly have to make sure they're in that team, and I think they have to stay in it. Um, it's probably another game for Emerson, who he's another one. I would say Emerson didn't look too bad yesterday, second half. Again, you've got to add the caveat that Arsenal certainly was stepped down the gears, so he probably didn't have as much to deal with down his side as he would have done in the first half. But I think Emerson needs game time to adapt. Of course, he does. Um, I'd like to see Scarlett get some minutes. I think we're at the stage now where I'd like to see other players getting a little bit of a shot. I'd like to see Dylan Markenday get some minutes. You know, I'd like to see him come on and show what he can do. Um, we're at that kind of point now where it's like, as we said earlier, you, you want players hungry to prove themselves. 
not players just... And again, there's going to be loads of people saying, Alistair Gold saying Dylan Markenday is the answer to everything. What a fool. <laughs> but I'm not saying that. I'm saying I'd like to see him get some minutes. I'd like to see players given a chance to show their hunger and their desire. I'm not saying Dylan Markenday is the saviour of Tottenham Hotspur in their current <laughs> mess. Um, yeah, I'd like to just see some new faces. I think I'm just... Maybe, I don't know if you feel the same, I just feel like I'm fed up with writing about the same stuff at the moment. Just nothing's changing. Yeah, I agree. Joe Rudden definitely needs to come in. Uh, Lo Celso should come in. He didn't play the other day. Uh, it's a big game for a number of these players uh, because I think there's going to be places up for grab uh, against Aston Villa at the weekend going on what happened at the Emirates on Sunday another chance for Brian Hill to show that he should be in the team uh, so I think we'll see a number of changes and then it's as I said Villa on Sunday who are uh, come back into form recently picked up uh, two wins against two of the Premier League's biggest sides in Everton and Manchester United so uh, yeah it's uh, going to be uh an interesting game, put it that way, at the Massive, weekend. Yeah. yeah, it's huge. Uh, Nuno needs three points. And, and he needs the know, crowd. And I know this is hard to say, and they have every right to be fed up. But I think if there's any hint of a toxic atmosphere for the Villa game, it, then it just becomes so, so difficult for the players, for Nuno, for everyone involved. Needs a win. Most importantly, needs performance from the team. Yes. Ne- desperately needs a performance. So, as I said, I think we'll be back on Friday with a preview episode uh, to the Aston Villa game. In the meantime, just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news. We'll have plenty more online today uh, reflecting on the Arsenal game. We'll then be looking forward to the NS Miura Europe Conference League tie we'll have Nuno's press conference on Wednesday and there'll be plenty more uh, if you'd like to give us uh, a rating and review on Apple then please do so that would be very much appreciated rate is based on the match yesterday <laughs> <laughs> please don't please don't use your anger in that way yeah so only good reviews <laughs> if you would uh, right I think we'll leave that there for today I hope that's helped with uh, the therapy towards what happened at the Emirates yeah, yesterday because it wasn't good at all so in the meantime uh, we'll catch you later in the week and as always just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news <laughs>